Well, hello and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you're here with us today. And uh, hey, it has been a while since I have seen you. I am so glad to see you. Um, Believe it or not, I mean, how many of you are excited to be here that we've gotten started again, right? Yeah. Hey, there we go. You know? It's been five months since I last spoke to you live. Now, I know Trent has already gone, Brian has already gone, but it's been five months uh, since I've done this uh, live. And I've enjoyed uh, speaking to you online and uh, through your computers, and it's been great to see like where you live and all the things that surround you. No, just kidding. We have not been doing that at all. Some of you are like, oh, watch out. But uh, it has been great to have you back, and we're super excited uh, to have you back and continue to see more and more of you coming out and everything. And uh, even us introverts like myself uh, are ready to see people, right? Like, come on, introverts. Okay, maybe not some of them, but anyways, um, if you are joining us online, thank you so much for joining us. And if you're still in your pajamas, that's totally allowed, so you are good to go. Uh, so we're excited that you are here online. Now, today we are continuing in our message series uh, by studying the letter of Philippians, which was written by Paul. And in this series, uh, we have been uh, looking at how Christ's followers should respond to tough circumstances. And often, when something comes up that is super tough, our first uh, reaction is to walk away or to be done. And Paul says, no, don't do that. And he encourages us to continue to press on. And he encourages us to remember the one who started a good work in us and that he will finish the good work in us if we continue to remain in him. And so for the last several weeks, uh, we have been learning how to stand firm in Christ Jesus. And so if you miss any part of this message series, uh, I really want to encourage you, especially if you've been in a place of hopelessness or restlessness and uh, not sure what to do, uh, I want to really encourage you to go back and listen to the entire series um, on our website. You can listen to it or watch it um, as it has been a powerful uh, series for a lot of people uh, as we've been doing this together. Now today, uh, we are in part seven of eight of this series, and if you're wondering, is Paul going to finally like land this plane? He is, all right? So we are going to be in chapter four today, and he is on his final approach uh, to ending or to coming in for the landing, uh, so to speak. And today, we're going to discuss this question that I'm sure all of us have been wrestling with at some level uh, during the last several months, and the question is simply this. It is, what do you do when there's nothing that you can do? What do you do when there's nothing that you can do? What do you do when your circumstances are so overwhelming that there seems to be no solution? What do you do when your circumstances are so bad that there seems like to be no way forward or no way out? What do you do? For instance, uh, many of us have experienced this. Uh, What do you do with us still being in COVID? You know, for the last five months, uh, we have been asking the question, when is this going to be over? When are we going to start, uh, stop wearing masks? Uh, when will our lives uh, just get back to being normal for our children, for our students, for our families? Uh, when are we going to be done with this and have some peace? Or what, we, what do we do with what's happened over race? 
You know, what do we do when uh, there have been uh, that when injustices have been out of our control? What do we do uh, when we can't control the sin of others? What do we do when it seems like everyone wants to talk about what they want to talk about and no one seems to be listening? Or what do we do when um, we do say something and it gets shot down in the moment? When will the anger, the hatred, the violence come to an end? When will we have a solution for peace? Or let's get more personal. You know, what do we do when something happens to us and our circumstances cannot change? For instance, maybe some of us uh, are wrestling uh, with something in our marriages. Maybe we're married, but it doesn't really feel like we're married. I mean, we function together, um, but we're not getting divorced, but we are just kind of like roommates. Or maybe you're single and you're working two jobs and you're just trying to stay afloat in your life and uh, you'd love to go back to school, um, but you were there and your grades were so bad that you would have to retake so many classes. And even if you could go back to school, uh, where would you get the time or where would you get the money to do that? What do you do in those moments? What do we do in those moments? Or for some of us, maybe you have an adult child who is married and they married someone that uh, you didn't really want them to marry. And the only thing that you can say to them uh, when you see their spouse is, God bless you, you know? <laughs> and uh, I'll leave that up to your imaginations of what that translates into Southernese. Uh, but, you know, a little hesitant laugh there, but isn't it true, you know? What do you do in those moments? What do you do when you can't change those circumstances in life? For many of us, uh, we're maybe facing some health issues that can't be changed, uh, that we're up against. Uh, recently, in June, uh, I started having some major allergic reactions that took, came out of nowhere. And uh, one night, I woke up about 1.30 in the morning, <clears throat> and half my face was swollen. My eye was almost swelled shut. I had hives in my lips, and uh, my ear was starting to swell up. If you've seen that movie Hitch with Will Smith, I looked exactly like him. I ran into the bathroom. I started downing the Benadryl and everything. And uh, we call a teledoctor, and uh, she says, hey, by the way, is your tongue kind of swelling up? And I'm like, yeah, now that you say it, yeah. And she's like, you need to go to the ER. And so I go to the ER, and they help calm it down. And then about a week later, I have another minor reaction. And then I have another reaction a couple days later that sends me right back to the ER. And the doctor, he looks at my chart and he's like, man, you are Will Smith, aren't you, man? I mean, what is going on, you know? He's like, you've got to see a specialist. You've got to get into uh, an allergist. And so the next day we call one and fortunately we were able to get into seeing that specialist. And uh, he goes through all these questions and he says, you know what? Um, this is food related. What have you changed in your diet? I'm like, man, not much for after 43 years. I mean, come on, you know, don't get this dad bod up for a reason. So, um, and he's like, well, this is going to be a long journey and finding out what's going on. And so now three months into this, 12 reactions later, one that I just had recently this past week that was minor, fortunately, and uh, finding out that uh, through two major blood works that I've had done, that I am a whole lot allergic to a lot of different types of foods that I never imagined that I would be allergic to. 
And uh, even if we find that one thing that I'm allergic to, I'm in a new reality. Things aren't going to change. This is my life going forward. And so what do we do? What do we do in those moments that we can't change? What do we do in the meantime, okay? What do you do when there's nothing that we can do, that this is the way it's going to be, that our circumstances are what they are, and this is the new reality? And if we try to solve the problem in the moment, the problem only gets worse. Like, if we don't do anything and we don't change anything, then it only hurts us. And if we try to run, well, maybe it hurts others. Or if we try to numb the pain by maybe drinking more or taking those pills that we think will bring relief, it ends up hurting us. Or we try to blame others, and yet we only distance ourselves and shut them out. What do we do in those moments? What do we do by starting to potentially blame God? And we start to say, God, where are you in the midst of my circumstances? You know, where are you in my health? Or where are you and why are you silent? And are you going to really show up? Are you going to do anything in my current circumstances? Do you even really care? Or are you just angry with me? Are you mad at me? God, if you don't respond in this moment, then I am walking away. Isn't that what we say? Isn't that what happens sometimes when we're in our unchanging circumstances? There have been tons of people in the past who've wrestled with these same exact questions. In fact, the reason we're opening up the New Testament is that when the early church began, there were men and women who faced such adversity. And when they faced that adversity, they did not turn away. They continued to push forward and people saw them live out their faiths. And if you're not a Christ follower, you get this. I mean, you get this. You have seen some Christ followers who go through some amazing circumstances, and you don't know how they do it. I mean, you you don't believe in their God, but you ask, how do they go through those circumstances and not continue to believe in God? How do they go through those circumstances and continue to move forward each day? How do they go through those circumstances and have this peace that I just can't explain. We've all seen people like that. We all know stories like that. And we all would love to have that peace that they have in the midst of their unchanging circumstances. And so today we're going to see how we can have that as well. And I don't think uh, there's a better person in the New Testament than Paul who demonstrates this and lives out his faith in front of us. So today we're going to go deeper into Paul's story. And before we get to Philippians, we're going to learn a little bit more about him. So if you would, go ahead and get your Bibles and go ahead and just uh, put your thumb or a finger uh, in the book of Philippians and then turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 in your Bibles or on your YouVersion Bible app. And again, as you turn there, if you don't have a Bible, 
Feel free to download the YouVersion Bible app. It's free. It's an amazing tool to read the Bible, and it has tons of helps to help understand the Bible. Uh, it's really a truly amazing app uh, to help you. But today, we're going to go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians 12, 7, camp out there for a little bit, and then we're going to turn to Philippians 4, 4. So I'll give you a moment to get there. Now, before we dive in, um, like I said, we need to know a little bit more about Paul. So after Jesus came back to life from the dead and ascended into heaven, Paul, or at that point, his name was Saul, um, started out as a Christian hater. So if you hate Christians, man, you would like Paul, okay? Uh, he hated them more than you do. In fact, if you think that there are some Christ followers who should be arrested, hey, don't point at them, okay? So we've got face masks, not you know blindfolds, but anyways, um, then he would come in and he would arrest us and he would possibly have us tortured or even killed. And so... Here's Saul, and all of a sudden he has this uh, moment where he meets the risen Savior and has this conversion experience uh, where he is, comes face-to-face with the risen Savior and realizes his wrong. And so after that, Paul becomes this amazing evangelist, leads tons of people to Christ, and starts all of these churches. And so as Paul's kind of got his life right with God and he's kind of moving forward, all of a sudden something awful happens to him, okay? He comes down, this, comes down with this really bad uh, physical health ailment. And we don't know exactly what it was, but it wasn't going away. And it was such a hindrance that uh, Paul even said, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I can't continue on uh, in God's will. And so today, we're going to see him struggling with this. We're going to see him come to the other side of that. And then when he gives us advice, we know where it's coming from. We know that he's been having this uh, incredible ongoing pain from this ailment. So let's begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7b. So Paul said, So too, and that's a purpose statement, so here's the purpose, so to keep me from becoming proud. Paul, you proud? Yeah. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given, and that word given uh, in the Greek uh, means like a gift, like, hey, Paul's opening up this Christmas gift. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn. In my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. And we're like, Paul, what gift were you given? You were given a thorn? That doesn't seem like a good gift. Well, what does that word mean? Well, here's what it means. It means a constant, irritating, ongoing, painful problem. That's a gift? And that word torment, what does that mean? Well, it literally means like a bully who strikes with a fist, okay? You're being beaten up. And what does that whole messenger with Satan? Don't get stuck on that, okay? Some theologians, they think, uh, well, did God allow Satan to give this to him? But most agree with that it's a figure of speech like that hurt like the devil, you know? What does that mean, you know? Um, So the main point is this. This gift, which some people thought was epilepsy, depression, chronic uh, headaches, eye disease, a walking problem, it was not going away. And whatever it was, we don't know, it was very painful. 
and it was humiliating. People were aware that something was going on and it was not good and they kind of didn't want to look at them and it was embarrassing and it was debilitating. And so Paul was ready to give up. And this coming from a man who had been arrested, who had been whipped multiple times, I mean, not just barely whipped, like tons of lashes, stoned, arrested, shipwreck, um, so much more. What worse could be than this, okay, uh, or than those things? And so Paul says, this is how bad it is. He shares with us in verse 8, three different times, not like individual times, but in three different seasons, I begged. I begged, got on my knees, cried out to the Lord, take it away. And each time God said, my grace, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Now, this is going to mess with our minds, you know, because basically God is saying, Paul, I'm not, the answer is no, I'm not going to remove this from you, but I'm going to give you the strength I'm going to give you the power, and I'm going to give you the grace that you need to press on in those moments. And this isn't going to weigh. And the reason I've given you this or allowed this gift to happen is because my power reaches its full potential. It reaches its full potential in your weakness. When people see your weakness and see you surviving and seeing you having the strength, they're going to see me in and through your weakness. So the answer is no, Paul. But Paul, I want you to remember, I have not forgotten you. And some of you need to hear that today. Some of you are going through some major circumstance and you need to hear that God has not forgotten you. He hasn't forgotten you. And these words that God said to Paul are words that you need to hear. God said to Paul, you are in the center of my will, and I'm going to give you a promise. And my promise is this. When you turn to me, I will get you through those painful moments, and you will be able to experience my hope and my peace in your unchanging circumstances. So Paul believed God and trusted him. And that's why Paul could say this, continuing in verse 9. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, people will see God through me. And that's so important. And so we would say to Paul, well, that's great, you know, but how do we do that? You know, Paul, how do we become strong when we are weak? You know, how do we have peace in the midst of our in the meantime moments when there's no way forward or no way out? So let's turn now to Philippians 4.4 because this is going to make sense. Paul gets very practical, and he gives probably the greatest insight he could ever give to us of what he did in his unchanging circumstances and how we find peace in the midst of things that we can't find a way forward or way out. And so beginning in Philippians 4.4, Paul says this, 
Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And we're like, Paul, I mean, what are you talking about? You know, like rejoice. Do you know where you're at? You're in prison. You're in prison. You're not getting out. Like back then, if you were in prison, you probably died in prison waiting for a trial. Paul, how can you say rejoice? How can you tell us to continue to rejoice in the Lord during our unchanging circumstances, especially in yours? And Paul would simply say, I say rejoice in the Lord. I choose to focus my mind and my thoughts on what Jesus has done for me. And this is what Jesus has done for me. Jesus came to me and he interrupted my life when I was out and helping to kill Christians. He came to me in a very personal way when I was dug in with my beliefs. And he showed me himself. And he forgave all of my sins, even murder. And when I've had these moments, when the thorn in my flesh has come up, God has seen me through them. And when I got to my lowest of low on three occasions, three seasons of God, I don't know if I can continue to do your will, he spoke the very words I needed to hear. He didn't change my circumstances, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you. And so I remind myself constantly what God has done for me and what he will do for me, and I allow my emotions to catch up. And so I tell you to rejoice in the Lord for what he has already done and what he will do. That's what I choose to think about. And so that's the beginning. Then he continues, and he continues to get practical. And so um, he continues and says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice, and let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. So Paul is reminding us that in the moments that we can't change, people are watching, okay? When we focus on what Jesus has done for us, it gives us confidence that God is there, that he is there, he's with us. And when God promised that he was going to give grace to Paul, well, he promised that he will give us grace as well in our circumstances, So now Paul is about to give us everything that he did. Like, here's what he did in every single circumstance. And it applies to any circumstance that we are going through. It does not matter what type of circumstance that you are going through. We all can do this. So let me read it in the NIV translation because I love how it's read there. So Paul says, do not be anxious or worry. It's written as a command. So if you're an English major, okay, it's written as an imperative, all right? I'll get geeky on you, all right? So why would Paul say these things to us as a command? I mean, like, what's the deal with worry? What's the big deal with worry? Well, worry gives us the sense of being pulled in two different directions. On one side, there's worry and fear. On the other side, there's hope and there's peace, And these two things continue to pull us apart. On this side, when we worry, it continues to take us in this direction. When we put our hope and peace over here, we're pulled in this direction. But if we don't choose one side, we don't experience one side, there's this tension where we can just all of a sudden snap 
And that's what happens in our worlds. Worry is such a dangerous thing. And we all know that. We get that on some level. You know, worry can cause us to stress. It can cause us to second-guess ourselves. We can become sleepless. We can snap at people. We can treat people unkindly. At its worst, it can cause anxiety, panic attacks, and so many unhealthy things. It can even cause us to doubt God. Even someone who's been walking with God for so long, it can create doubt. And we're tempted in those moments to walk away. And God doesn't want that for us. He doesn't want any of that for anyone. He wants us to experience his peace in the midst of our circumstances. And as we've seen, even if our circumstances do not change, he will remain faithful through every type of circumstance. Paul experienced it, okay? So he continues. He says, do not be anxious or worry about anything, but in, and what's that word with me? Uh, Say it with me. Okay, come on. Say it with me. There we go. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, some of you are like, is your solution prayer? I mean, I've done that. Been there, done it. But when we look more closely at this verse, there's something more than just prayer. Paul gives this list, and they're all kind of dependent upon each other and associated with each other. And so let's break that down because there's something more. He mentions prayer, petition, and thanksgiving because that's the right type of praying in these moments. So let's begin with prayer, all right? So the word prayer is this general word for making a request. It could be simply just saying, help, Lord. And the reason that second word is important, Lord, is it reminds us of who is in control. It helps us to center our thoughts on the one who's able to be mighty in our moments, who is mighty, who is good to us. It helps us to be able to say, he is big enough to handle my situations. He doesn't need us telling him that he's big, okay? It's a reminder for us to realize and help us to remember that he is big. And so just like Jesus did with the disciples, the disciples says, said, teach us how to pray. And Jesus shared the Lord's Prayer. And you know this. Um, how does it start? Our Father in heaven. What's the next phrase? Hallowed be thy name. We're repeating that pattern. It helps us to focus on the one who's in control. And then petition. What does that word mean? In some of your translations, supplication. And so the word petition there, well, it means a specific request. It means that we share our deepest needs and concerns. So we get past the surface level stuff, like God, help me find my keys. Okay, that's surface level stuff. I know that's critical for some, all right? But it gets us past our surface needs and we begin to share our deepest concerns and what's going on And in those moments, uh, we share with him our fears. So, for instance, it might be like, you know, um, God, I am so struggling in my marriage. Father, I know you're in control, and he does not want to change. And he doesn't want to divorce, and I don't want to divorce, but there's just no way forward. I mean, God, I don't know what to do. I am so alone. 
And my fear is I'll continue to be alone this entire time. That's sharing deepest fears. Or maybe uh, you're a single mom and you have two girls and you pray and you're working two jobs and you don't know how you're gonna do it and you just say, God, I need your help. I know you're in control. You are in control, but I need a different job. I mean, they already don't have a father and I feel like they are growing up without a mother. And so God, would you help me? That's the level we need to get with, with God. Share our deepest fears, our insecurities, our concerns, and cry out to him. And why? Why do that? Well, God loves you, and he wants to hear what's on your heart. And it starts to take this worry and fear, and it starts to put it in his hand that offers hope and offers peace. It begins to transfer it into his hands. And so in that, when we do that, we begin to experience his hope and peace in the midst of our circumstances. And then that last word, thanksgiving, and this is so important. We skip over this all the time. You know, this is so important because this is that faith moment, all right? This is what completes us transferring our worries and our fears into his hands. It's simply saying to God, you know what? I'm going to thank you, God, and you are in control, and I'm going to put my trust in you regardless, regardless of what happens because I know you are for me, and I can't see what's in the future, And so I trust you in this moment. And you put your worries and fears into his hands. And we are reminded that his promises will sustain us through any type of circumstance because he loves us and we thank him. But often, don't we try to take that back, you know? And when we do, we give it right back to him because that's how we live in Christ. So when we do that, this is why this verse now makes sense. Because if I had read this at the beginning, we'd be like, Paul, yeah, right. Come on. But this is what Paul experienced on so many occasions through all the difficulties that he went through and through all the unchanging circumstances that never changed in his life. He says this, verse 7, then you will experience God's peace. What's that? You will experience what? God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard our hearts and our minds as you live in Christ Jesus. In other words, as you continue over and over to live in Christ Jesus. You know, here's the definition of peace uh, from the world. Uh, The world's definition of peace is an absence of conflict. But yet, unfortunately, we know that there will always be conflict on this side of heaven. Okay, And the peace that comes from God is his confident assurance that regardless of our circumstances, when we turn to him, when we pray, petition, and thank him, then we will have no need of fear in our present moment or in our future because that's how much he loves us. 
He wants us to cast all of our cares upon him. So, what do we do when there's nothing that we can do, okay? In every situation, in every situation, whenever you start to worry, you stop and pray. Now, I I came up with that little rhyme because I want you to remember it, okay? So we're going to say this thing together, all right? Because this is the main point of what Paul is saying. So let's say this together. Whenever you... Okay, that's bad, all right? So come on. Here we go. Get fired up. If you need to put your groove on, you know, it kind of rhymes, so you could, you know, think about it. Like, you know, if you want to put a little song to it, like, whenever you start to worry, stop and pray. Okay, sorry, dad joke right there. So anyways, you don't have to do that. At home, you need to do that, though. So uh, anyway, because nobody's watching. We are. No, just kidding. Uh, So let's say that again with some passion and conviction on the count of three. One, two, three. Whenever you start to worry, stop and pray. There you go. Let that sink in. In every circumstance, whenever you start to worry, stop and pray. So here's my question for all of us, okay? Are you in a place where there's nothing that you can do? Are you in a place where there is no way forward or no way out? Are you in a place where you are so worried and so fearful that there's no hope in sight? And are you ready today to take that and transfer it into your heavenly Father's hands who offers us peace and hope in the midst of our unchanging circumstances. Because that's what he will do. And that's what he has done. And it is a great thing to do for for those he loves. And so this is how we're going to close today. We're going to close uh, in prayer. We're going to pray. Wherever you're at, would you make your request known? And so I'm going to close us in prayer. And then uh, Jessica is going to sing this song. And she is going to sing this truth that we've been uh, experiencing today over you. And during my prayer, I want you to take the time to simply make your request known to God. If you need to continue to pray during the song, then do that and focus on him and pray to him. Uh, Approach him with your prayer. Approach him with your petition and thank him. And so simply just say, Father, thank you that you are in control. Thank you that you hear me. And I'm coming to you right now. And here is what I am battling with. And here's what I need to happen. And if you don't make this happen, I just don't know what to do. I'm so fearful. I'm so worried. But God, I trust you. Regardless of what happens, I know you know what's best for me. And so I trust you. I put my faith in you. Even with no answer insight. You know what happened when Paul did that? When Paul was in prison, he still had his thorn in the flesh. And instead of worrying, he took his energy and he wrote this letter almost 2,000 years ago. And I don't think he realized what this letter would do. Millions and millions and millions of people have read this letter And they have all faced moments that they could not control. And because of what he wrote, they have been able to experience, you know their stories, peace and hope in their unchanging circumstances. 
You know what will happen when you give your worry to God and you put your faith in him? You will be free to do God's will, what's in front of you, in the midst of your unchanging circumstances. And you will be used by God to make a mark that lasts for eternity. And people are watching. And people will see your God. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you that you are the great I am. You are in control. You're running towards all of us, and you've been doing that ever since sin separated us. And you never give up. And God, you will be with us through every shadow, every valley, every shadow of death. You won't leave us. You will not forsake us. And so today, God, I know that there are some people who are wrestling and who are worried, who don't know where to turn. And so, God, in this moment, I pray that they start to just turn to you. Forget the words that I'm saying, and they start to just talk to you. That they will just acknowledge that you are in control. That they will share their deepest fears and concerns and make a specific request to you. And that they will thank you. That regardless of things changing or not, that they know that you will be with them, that you have never left them, and that we are not alone. And so, God, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for Paul, who wrote this so long ago and never gave up, never gave up, because there's so much, so much at risk. So give us your strength, give us your peace, and give us your grace. We put our thoughts on what you have done and what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen.